All right. Welcome to another episode of Comic Book Squares. We just want to remind everybody about our big contest for 2023. We're going to help find a new writer in comic books. We're partnered with Dream Foundry on this. And uh, just remember, the deadline is the end of September to get your uh, stories in. So to kick the show off, my name's Shane. I'm Paul. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. Let's get this show started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Comic Book Squares. Uh, we're really excited to be talking to Nick Friesen. Uh, Nick, if you can just go ahead and please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your uh, your comic and this whole multimedia project you got going on. <laughs> sure, yeah. My name is Nick, and uh, I am from the geographical center of Canada, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, I have a comic book series called The Unpredictable Olivia C., and Olivia C. started out as a uh, just a concept, an idea, a character that I would draw onto posters for bands or whatever. And uh, the character kind of started to take on a life of her own. And we made some music for this character. And I've done animated music videos, hand-drawn animated music videos. Kind of has that oh, 70s wow. Hanna-Barbera vibe. Um, <laughs> and uh, then that morphed into comics. Uh, so I just released issue two of the unpredictable Olivia C. I'm putting it on the can. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> With the nice Secret Wars 8 uh, homage cover for you Love there. That. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's just kind of one of those crazy things where it's like, well, if you're a fan of the music, you can enjoy the music. If you're a fan of the comics, you can enjoy the comics. If you like the animation, you can enjoy that. If you like it all, then you are my best friend and I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's surprising. I, or I was surprised that this, uh, right now to hear you say that um, it was the music. Was it the music that came first? I mean, the character came first, Olivia C. And then the music yeah. part of it came before then the animation and then the comics. Is I'd kind correct? of been writing like, yeah, I'd been like writing short stories and stuff like that. Um, but like, it wasn't really, I'd actually like started probably 10 years ago on a comic of it and then abandoned it. And uh, then, yeah, so there's, there's four pages of a very old version of this, of the story, totally different, um, with very different art style and, and everything. And then it just kind of became like, I was, I just had a buddy over to jam one time and test out some recording equipment. And then we just sat on those songs cause we each had our own bands at the time. And, and then I was like, oh man, what if these are Olivia C's songs? And he's like, oh, I like that idea. <laughs> and so then it just kind of turned into its own thing. And we we brought in a, a vocalist who, coincidentally, her name is also Olivia. Her name is Olivia Rain. <laughs> and uh, yeah, weird. Like, and it was one of those like, okay, well, I need another, I need a singer. And I approached a number of singers I knew and they were all like, oh, this might be confusing between my other project. And so then I said, okay, well, let's find an actress who can also sing. And that was Olivia Rain. Uh -huh. And yeah, so because there's these animated components and I was doing it as a whole animated, uh, like a little series of shorts. And I was like, this is too much. It's too much. Like uh, an animated music video <laughs> is one thing to animate it. Like to animate someone playing guitar, it's just one, two, three, and then you loop <laughs> it, right? Whereas yeah, like yeah. there's a lot more movement unless you're doing it like real cheap, uh, which I do. Um, yeah. but, so I just kind of, my, my wife actually encouraged me to pivot to uh, comics. She's like, you've been like way back into comics the last few years. I think that it's less time consuming if you do this as a comic. 
And so, yeah, I've been uh, working on it for the last, uh, well, I mean, I, I have some issues that haven't come out yet. I have these issues and it's been, yeah, I guess probably over the pandemic, I've been kind of working on this and it, I'm releasing it quarterly. So yeah. each, uh, each comic has a song that goes with it. Um, and then we'll go from there. But I mean, there's, there's already an album's worth of music out in the world available on cassette. That's awesome. <laughs> if you can believe that, that I actually printed physical cassettes. Cause when you go to a comic show, when you go to a comic show, what are you going to do? Tell them to go to Spotify? No. If you want to sell them the right. book, you also sell them the tape. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is so cool. The, oh, my gosh. The cassette tape. It was funny. I did a, uh, I was a guest on another podcast, and he did the whole thing on uh, – he would record everything on cassette tape and then put that as his podcast. So he had the crackle, you know, all the, the noises. That oh, wow. <laughs> was it a conscious choice to use to do cassettes to keep with that, that – um, I don't know that more kind of indie and you know punk feel. Yeah, I mean it's the project itself and the type like going to comic shows and having that real DIY feel like cassette yeah. just kind of made sense and it's you know it, it's comparable to CDs and I mean I have a massive CD and vinyl collection and tapes but I'm, I've definitely slowed on buying CDs and I just thought, you know what, it makes more sense for the type of people that might be coming to shows to, uh, to pick up a cassette. And also, yeah. uh, Olivia, Olivia has a, uh, a little robot named four track who she records things with and he records to cassette. So it is very thematic to the, to the story yeah. itself. So <laughs> it stays within the, the, the universe, the, <laughs> the Olivia C universe. Well, that's yeah, awesome. Checks out, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with the, um, one thing I noticed, so that I love the animation and the videos and you did say it kind of has that, I know it's funny because my first thought was adult swim, but adult swim obviously took mm. the old Hanna-Barbera stuff at first kind of repurposed it. So, um, but I could see that, but one of the videos was a, a Simpsons, you know, animation style. Uh, what was the choice behind that one? Well, I was just like, I'm going to try to do Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah. it's twofold because uh, I wrote this song called I Choo Choo Choose You, which is yeah. uh, Ralph Wiggum's uh, Valentine's card that he gets from Lisa. And oh, yeah. Also, because The Simpsons and the city I'm from, Winnipeg, there's a lot of connections there. Like there's the dad who slaps the kid or Nelson slaps the kid and the dad goes, that's it, back to Winnipeg or whatever. Um, yeah. And... <laughs> There's, you know, they go to Winnipeg to get, uh, I think it's medicinal marijuana maybe or something. And it's like, there's a sign that's like, Winnipeg, we were born here. What's your excuse? Um, so, I mean, it's, I just thought that we could, uh, you know, return the favor and, and put a lot of like Winnipeg-ish things and repurpose them as Simpsons things. And it's just also yeah. like an, an interesting creative challenge. Like one of the videos, there's a song called Sadie. And I just kind of recreated scenes from High Fidelity. Yeah but with Olivia and her girlfriend, Sadie, coming together. So that tells the story of those two coming together. And then you get to read about them in the comic and things like that. So it's just kind of like all these worlds colliding. So if you're a completist and you want to check out every piece of the project, you'll get more of the whole story. But if you just want to pick up one comic, then you'll still be like, oh, yeah, this is a fresh, fun story. And then I kind of tie things in with, uh, you know, I. I write out songs in the book 
And I've in issue two, I put a QR code in there so that you can actually like find the songs from that issue type of thing. Yeah. 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 I, I noticed the, um, the lyrics, like, like, uh, you know, she'd be singing a song or whatever, and you could still see some of the lyrics are like, uh, what was it at the end of, was it the end of issue one or was it issue two where she just is ad libbing, but then it's actually one of the songs, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, in there. So, uh, yeah, I loved how you like tie all that in together. So then I, it's funny cause I started listening to the music while I was reading, uh, the comics as well to kind of more fully awesome. immerse myself, like kind of get this surround, <laughs> this fully immersive experience. Uh, but it, I felt like it helped. It was awesome because hearing the music uh, really, to me, helped me connect with the characters more, like understand a little more their world and mindset and some of the the chaos that is coming in, you know, through their um, their vigilantes <laughs> and trying to like juggle <laughs> real life and all that. <laughs> and, and, uh, no, it was it. I really that I felt like that really helped me connect with Olivia and uh, the the women uh, in in the series a lot more. So uh, kudos to to the songwriting, but also to your your singer Olivia Rain is her name. Yeah, 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 yeah. She yeah she's she's, uh, awesome. she's yeah she came out of like musical theater and stuff like that, and like she she's like I don't know I don't really listen to this type of music, but like. You know, when someone's like, oh, I don't know this, but they actually do, you know, and I'd start like throwing yeah. references at her. She's like, oh, I've heard that, you know, and it's like, okay, like she's just, it's very important that like the three musicians and myself that are involved in the the musical side of the project, like Andy Cole, Matthew Powers, myself and Olivia, um, we all kind of get the assignment, right? Like, cause some people might come in and be like, I don't know, what is this? This isn't a real band. Like, are we going to play shows? Like <laughs> it's a, re- just think of it as a recording project, you know? And right, it's like right. gorillas or the Archies or gem and the holograms. Like there's all these yeah. different types of, uh, outlets for this. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's just fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you just named like plenty of examples that are like these and the, <laughs> the gorillas, which is like a huge, you know, modern band. It's like, you know, you got uh, 2D and all those, <laughs> you know, all those folks, noodles and everything. They're not, you know, they're just, uh, rep- you know, uh, animated representations of, you know, folks. But uh, <clears throat> but still, those projects are really fun to listen to. And I'm sure Damon Albarn and company, you know, don't mind just staying backstage <laughs> while the music's playing. Uh, that's so that's I, our only I've... downfall is that uh, is that we didn't have the singer from blur, you know, to like bring in the existing audience. So we're starting from scratch. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you mentioned Kim deal in the, you know, in the series. So, I mean, maybe, you know, mm. maybe, uh, Olivia C and her band could do a, a song with Kim. <laughs> oh man. Like that, that is a voice, the voice of Kim deal. I often say like, if that's, if I'm on my deathbed ever, just like put on some breeders or some pixies or something and just yes. let that voice wash over me. It's just one of the most beautiful things. But yeah, yeah, there's a, yeah, I think that the lyric is that little trouble girl is no Kim deal. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, one of the characters is little trouble girl, which is named after a song that Sonic youth did with Kim deal. So I, I name characters after yeah. songs and there's plenty of comic <laughs> references. And so it's just like, it is one of those things like, yeah, if you catch all the references, you can enjoy them. But if not, I'd like to think it's a totally like legitimate listening experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I thought so. I, I, again, I really enjoy it. And that's funny. You, you mentioned that with Kim deal and everything because uh, we've been um, introducing our daughter to like more of our 
our style music. She's actually asked us to, which is nice. She's 12 and asked us to, but it's uh, also awesome. breeders, the pixies, all that. She's just infatuated with them now. So, um, so yeah, we're, you know, folks like you and I are hopefully uh, creating more Kim Deal fans out there. So, so hey, <laughs> well, it Kim, sounds like you've you got a cool show, kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but yeah, she's, yeah, she's, she's pretty cool. She's pretty cool. Um, and then Kim, if you're watching the show, you know, just, uh, you know, hit up Nick and, uh, you know, got a duet going on there. Big, big fan, Kim. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm sure she's into comics. Totally. <laughs> she might be, uh, she seems cool. So <laughs> she does, she does, she does. All right. So I'll tag her when I, when I post this, you know, we'll, post this video. we'll make sure to tag her in it. <laughs> you never know. You never know. The stranger things have happened. <laughs> Yep. That would be awesome. So um, I saw in um, when I was reading the comics, um, obviously I read the first uh, so one, two, three, four. I didn't read. Uh, there was a standalone. What was that one called outside of the Olivia C titles? Oh, yeah. I did like a mini comic just called Silent Reading. That was kind of like her as a teenager. Um, and she's like she's in love with her best friend. But then she meets this girl, Kitty, from her dance class. And so she's kind of fallen for her, but Kitty's kind of a bully. And, and then that evolves into like, then they're all in this uh, vigilante group together when their ballet, ballet studio shuts down. And yeah, so there, there's that. And then, yeah, there's, I've, like I said, I, I've been working ahead. So I'm working yeah. on issue three, but like issue, uh, issue four and five are kind of, you know, it started out with one story and then I felt like I needed to write a few issues before that, Ben. So that's kind yeah. of why those issues exist. I felt like there needed to be uh -huh. like a, a prequel to it, but just, yeah. So I, they were kind of written as one piece. And then I realized, okay, we need a little bit here to set this up and to kind of be a little silly. And then it kind of gets a little more serious and, yeah, and deals with like, cause I want to, I want to deal with, uh, you know, anxiety. I want to deal with, um, there's a lot of stuff in the in the music industry. If you're a woman, you have to deal with these like Svengali type figures, like a Phil Spector or Ryan right. Adams or whoever these these guys that take advantage of women. Um, and you've got to deal with all the influencers and all of this culture now. And it just, you know, this is the case in point. Like you can't just make music anymore. There's I I don't really look at this as like a gimmick project. I look at it as a multimedia piece. But, uh, you know, if you, if you want to say like, this is a comic with a gimmick or, or a band with a gimmick or whatever it is, sure. If that, if that helps you, uh, to listen to it or, or to read it, then it's all good. But yeah, it's, to me, it's no. just, it's just fun to make stuff with my friends and then to go and be quiet and draw for hours. Yeah. No, man, I'll tell you, I, I don't see it as gimmicky. Like I, I really liked, again, I like the way everything ties together to me. It all makes sense. Like I said, listening to the music and reading it really made everything click for me. Uh, doing all that at one time. Um, and the other thing I really appreciated, it was funny because I was reading it and especially through the first issue, um, I was envisioning like, it's like a, a Scott Pilgrim, right? In a way mm. where, but instead uh, they're pushing back against like, I don't know, a, a lot of the issues that, that women go through, right? Um, like the patriarchy or, or the, the sh <laughs> excuse my language, that shitty mayor in the first one is like, I can, you know, yeah. the, the poor anxious girl and he comes up, you know, and again, you, you were talking about those things that they always go through or they close the dance studio because who needs a dance studio, right? The getting rid of the arts and all that. And so I saw yeah, yeah, like, yeah. this is like a Scott Pilgrim instead of fighting ex-boyfriends or something like that. It's like, you know, the other way, like actually fighting against all these, uh, you know, um, 
all the shitty stuff that, that women, unfortunately, you know, are uh, subjected to. So yeah, I, I and really just like that like, part of it. Oh, thanks. Man. Yeah. I really appreciate that because I wanted to, I want to ground the characters in reality, but also have them do over the top silly things. So right. that's kind of that you, it's hard to walk that line. Right. But like, I look at stuff like, like I grew up watching, uh, you know, Degrassi or any, any type of show that's like, yeah. there is, there's a message here and there's something important to talk about, but we're also going to do something really silly. And that's what this is. I mean, it's, it's a comic book. Like I, I grew up with the tick was one of my favorite comic books because it was a superhero <laughs> yeah. satire. And yeah. so if I can, if I can make my own little superhero satire that also has some, some real stuff in it, then I think I'll have, I'll have done my job. Yeah. No, I, 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 that's the great thing about comics as a medium, right? So you can get as crazy with it as you want and still have the message within there. You know, we were just um, talking about, uh, or we just had an uh, interview with Mike Diodato, um, who did um, Not All Robots. And we were talking about how right. he was worried about uh, his serious artwork going into this kind of humorous story. And, but, mm -hmm. you know, again, it's a medium in which you can combine those two things and it ends up working beautifully a lot of times. Not every time, but a lot of times. And, you know, as evidenced by Not yeah. All Robots, you know, winning the Eisner and stuff. But I feel like <laughs> this, you can take the. The craziness of like you know her anxiety actually becomes a superpower. The one uh, one of the women, um, you know, and she anxious blasts Abby. a hole through this guy. <laughs> anxious Abby, yeah, anxious Abby can blast yeah. a hole you know through people with um, you know that anxiety energy. Um, but at the same time, you are seriously talking about the anxiety and depression and stuff. So yeah, I like that balance. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I, I make it no secret, like I'm on meds for anxiety. A lot of people are, and I've had like crazy debilitating anxiety attacks, man. Like you fall on the floor and you can't get up for seven hours type of thing. Your head feels too heavy. It's just, it is crippling. And if this is one way to even just like start the conversation about that, uh, I, you know, I think it's important. And yeah. I also like, you talk about like the art style being like too serious or whatever. Like, I don't know my art style, like, the way it comes out of me is just this kind of like cartoon realist type of thing. Like I'm a big Adrian Tomina fan and I'm a big yeah. like Dan Klaus fan and I'm nowhere near what those gentlemen do, but they are like, that is kind of the thing. So it's like, it's kind of cartoony. It's kind of real. But then we also have like a little robot that makes cassette tapes in his belly. <laughs> so, I mean, you can, you can do the, these weird different things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really appreciate it. In fact, even there was uh, an issue too where um, she's she shows up late to band practice, Olivia, and then it goes into like an anime art style for like three panels. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I got an idea. You know? <laughs> yeah, <It's, laughs> but that's again because when anime characters when they get mad, they just go and their eyes get like really big, and you're just like, <laughs> it's like, wouldn't it be funny if they just did that for three panels and then went back and did, never spoke of it? I think in, in issue three, they all start to get very like break the fourth Wally and they each kind of like take turns, uh, being like, Oh, what are you talking to the audience? And then, and that comes from like, I don't know if you, if you, if you're familiar with like the French new wave films, but like Godard mm -hmm. did this one, uh, Pierre LeFou, where it was like Anna Karina turns and starts like talking to the camera. And, um, John is just like, no, only I can talk to the camera. The audience doesn't care what you have to say, you know? And that always stuck with me of like, it's just like, yeah, like who, who cares? Who cares who's talking to the audience? Who cares who's, who's reading right now? But 
Yeah. I don't know. You, you break those fourth and fifth walls and, and break the panel. And I mean, you, maybe you go a little too far sometimes, like the most hotly debated show of last year was She-Hulk and, and that oh, ending yeah. there where, where she like goes into the Disney plus screen and it's like, wow, they're really breaking the, the fourth wall. And then she like goes into the writer's room for the show. And it's just like, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm with you. And I get the gimmick and everything, but like, I don't know how many like discussions and arguments, and I don't know if it was a right choice or a good choice, or I just, I'm very excited that those choices are allowed to be made on a major yeah. show like that, uh, whether it works or not. Like I, you know, I, I think it's fun to watch Daredevil be fun. I really love Daredevil, <laughs> yeah. but that's, that's just me. <laughs> I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to step on any toes right now, but I, uh, I enjoyed it. No, so. no, no. Uh, you're not stepping on toes with me. I'll tell you that anyway, because I, I, as much as I'm just like the next person or most people, I've really enjoyed the Netflix Daredevil, and uh, yeah. and then I enjoyed the the Disney Plus She Hulk Daredevil. I mean, I I really I don't know. I I like Charlie Cox, right? Charlie Cox, yeah. yeah. I like him anyways, yeah. and and uh, gosh, he's just he's <laughs> he's awesome. So I don't care as long as I get to see him in action again as Daredevil. I don't care if he jokes around a little bit. It's nice to get a little break in like just the darkness all the time. You know, it's the reason why I stopped watching yeah. Walking Dead. I I couldn't take yeah. just <laughs> depressing depressing storylines every week and say, okay, I'm just this is, I'm tired. <laughs> and and let me tell you, you know who got a little silly in the comics sometimes? Daredevil. Like yeah, it wasn't right. all doom and gloom all the time. Like Matt and Foggy exactly. would be mucking around or like it's yeah. Well, and him and so Spider-Man would banter, you know, like have actual yes. like banter and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not yes, always dark and dour. <laughs> or like, or when he'd go up against Punisher, like he would take on like a bit of a, a Spidey, like, you know, talking to the villain type, like persona. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's, I, I, I put my trust in these, like not all of this stuff is perfect. Like you can see behind me, I got a bunch of Star Wars stuff in the, in the room here in the basement, yeah. but, and I've also, I've got my Marvel stuff and my DC stuff over there and, and, uh, Ninja Turtles and GI Joe and all this other, and it's all these, like all these things that we all grew up with and mm -hmm. we all maybe have an idea in our heads of how, you know, new media based on it should be, but me, I am just along for the ride. I went and saw all the new Star Wars in the theaters. I enjoyed them all for what they were. I said, well, I'm, I wouldn't do this or I wouldn't do that, but it's not me making the films. So yeah. I'm, I'm just a fan. And I love that you can walk into any store now and be able to buy anything with Spider-Man's face or Batman's face <laughs> or, you know, R2-D2's uh, visage on it. It's just because when we were kids, you didn't have that. No. No, it was hard. You to have find. to hunt very hard. Yeah. yeah. You have to wait for the next movie to come out so Burger King would come out with some four glasses you could get with the, <laughs> with the right? happy like... meal or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was few and far between <laughs> with any yeah, of that man, stuff. And like... now I have, like, my Job of the Hut coffee mug, and I had an R2-D2 French right? press. You know, it's like, <laughs> so yeah, you can find any of that stuff. Um I don't, so I want to um, jump back on asking you, because I, I didn't even, I totally, we started talking about your book right away. How did you get <laughs> into doing comics in general? Because I know you, you talked about music and then writing and drawing these characters. Um, were you making up other comic characters when you were younger? Uh, was Olivia C. the first time you started 
sketching these kind of characters and you're like, oh, I should do it. You know, cause you, you mentioned your, your wife had talked about you doing a comic instead of just the animation. So how did uh, that all come about? Yeah. I mean, your, like I grew up, I grew up on, uh, you know, the, I think the first comic character that I would probably love would, would have been Spider-Man and it was the cartoon Spider-Man and his amazing friends with Iceman and Firestar. And yeah. then I would, you know, pick up, spider-man books at, at the garage sale or at the supermarket or whatever and then batman and i obviously watched the superpowers the super friends show and i had all those action figures and so a lot of it was was the toys as well for me right like i like to be able to have the small version of the thing that i was a fan of and to, yeah. to collect and to play with and you know to get in the sandbox and mash around and stuff and i was always <laughs> drawing my my mom likes to tell a story about when we moved into our our second house when I was two years old, she forgot about me for uh, hours or something like that. And then she realized that she had been unboxing and then was like, Oh my God, where's Nick? And she goes and she finds me in this little two year old in the corner, just drawing away on with crayons and the, and the papers that I could find like a notepad or something. A eh? and, and so I've just always been drawing, like people would come to me and be like, in grade two, they'd be like, oh, can you draw me a Scooby-Doo? Can you draw me a, a Wolverine, whatever, eh? and bash one out. And so it was always kind of that, awesome. but I always, I always kept the drawing for fun. I didn't want to turn it into this thing that I would have to monetize, I guess. And yeah. then people started to come to me because they would see a video, an animated hand-drawn animated video that I did for a musician because I was doing them for other musicians as well, um, locally and otherwise. And they come in, oh, yeah, can you do this? And then it turned into like, oh, I've got this idea for a kid's book. And, oh, I've got this idea for a comic. And it was just like, you know, and the, the wife looks at me and she's <laughs> like, I think that you do this now as, as at least like a part-time thing. And I was like, yeah, I think you're right. And so it just kind of <laughs> got to be the like, well, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and, and tell this story this way. And I'd never really done a comic like that. I've done like little, like, you know, when I ran the, the campus newspaper in university and it was like, yeah, I had like a little comic strip in that or whatever about my dog and yeah. stuff. But it was just like, it was also like figuring out how to do things digitally because I draw I, I pencil and I ink by hand and then I scan and then I digitally color. And oh. I was very self-conscious for a very long time because I didn't go to graphic design school and every illustration that you see is this like perfect looking design. And so for years I was just like, Oh, like that's no, I don't know how to do that. And that's what people want. And you'd, you'd pick up a uh. new comic and it looks so different than the comics I grew up with. Like, I love the new mutants and yeah. Wilson Kevich and these beautifully painted covers. And then you'd go inside and it was just like, you know, like the flat colors and things. And I loved the way all of that. Yeah. Worked. And it just looked organic and real. And it like, it's like, okay, I can do that. I can draw and I can draw like that, or I can try to anyway. Um, but then I kind of started watching like on YouTube, just seeing other makers that were like, yeah, I've been doing this for years and I still draw by hand and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, it was like I needed to physically see that happening and I needed oh, a, yeah. an illustrator to tell me or a cartoonist to tell me, look, you know, I letter by hand and I do all these things. And it was like, oh, okay. I don't have to have an iPad and I don't have to right. sit there and, and learn this new skill. Like 
I, I like to color by, by digital because I like to get those flats. Like, yeah, I'll still color with like a marker or pencil crayons and stuff for, for fun. But for the specific look, it's like, I like being able to manipulate the, 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 the brush pen that I use. And I like to oh, be able yeah. to erase by hand. And I like to, to, you know, there's uh, also almost a spontaneity to it as well, right? Like you might pencil it one way and then you get into a, mu a mood depending on what you're listening to. If it's a podcast or if it's like relaxing music or loud music or whatever it is, like your inks will, will look a little different huh. depending on what your, what your, what your environment around you is like. So yeah, I just, uh, <laughs> that's, and there's nothing wrong with doing anything digital. Like right. if you, if you can, and that's how you choose to do it. By all means, I'm not, a, I'm not a snob. I'm not an elitist. I just know <laughs> that at this, at this stage in my life, I don't have the patience to learn a new skill set. <laughs> so right. it is a new skill set. I mean, I've talked, I'm, I'm not a uh, artist, you know, uh, myself, um, but I have friends and other, you know, other friends and, um, who are, you know, artists and, and cartoonists and drawing and yeah, they, a lot of them tried to go digital and, you know, had to relearn a lot of stuff because of moving to the iPad or the, or, um, you know, using with the, the tablet stuff. And, you know, it's, yeah. it, they said it was a whole other like skill set they had to bring in on top of just the art. Let's see. Uh, so that seems like a, <laughs> a whole new thing to try to teach yourself when you just want to get a piece of art out of your, your head and your, your, you know, your hands. Yeah. And you're also, you're, there's so much to it, right? Like, I mean, like there's your script. And then you go through that and you edit it a little bit. And then as you're drawing it, the script can also change. It's okay. I'm, I'm penciling, I'm inking, I'm scripting on the fly sometimes. Um, mm. And then, you know, then you you spend a bunch of time scanning all your pages and you're putting it in and then you you lay out the book and then you, you're okay. Where, where's my printer at? Okay. I'm going to email the printer and okay. Now I've got to, I've got to promote this thing. And I, I get to go on to podcasts and talk to guys like you. And you know, I, you, you're doing all of these things and it's like nowhere in that path. Do I want to learn a new skill because I'm also just learning how to like market and, and sell and, and go to shows. Like I started going to like in, in Canada anyway, there's a few big shows um, and there's, there's a couple in Toronto. I went to one in Toronto last fall called Canzine. Yeah. And then I'm going to like the big show in April called TCAF. Um, and that one I'm super excited about. It's, it's like a two day thing. And, and it's, I've, oh, I've heard wow. about this show for years. Um, you know, like, I think that like, like Neil Gaiman and Jim Rugg and, and people like that and Fantagraphics and Drawn <laughs> and Quarterly, they'll have a presence there and stuff. So I just, when I went to that show in the fall, I was like, wow, like, this is what it's like to be around other people like me. I can just be myself and I don't have to over explain what I'm doing. Like right, to a right. coworker who's like, so what's this comic about? Is it like Archie? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Just yep. like Archie. There's Jughead. Yeah. <laughs> Got a Jughead too. There you go. <laughs> oh man. No, I, I, well, speaking of which you talked about the marketing of it, what, what have you been trying to do besides, you know, coming on shows like this? Um, <laughs> you know, what have you found that works for you? Cause we, we do have some other creators who, who watch and listen. Um, what have you found that's been working for you as far as marketing goes? Well, I mean, if you're like me and you're, I print a very small run of each issue and then I print more when I sell out of those ones. Right. And so mm -hmm. what I do is I, 
it's it's physically getting it into people's hands, right? And so if that is going to a show where people are going to come by my table and say hello and I can physically put the book in their hands or physically put the cassette in their hands and just say like, tell them about the project. And at the very least, they might follow me on Instagram, which is always a win uh, if they don't pick up the book. But there's the physical and then going into comic shops. So like when I went to Toronto, I went to all the Toronto comic shops that I heard so much about and had my physicals in hand. And I said, hey, my name is Nick. I'm here for Canzine. I've brought along my physicals here and they you know, would take them in the store so they can say, okay, it's available in this shop. And then also here in Winnipeg, obviously like going and getting into shops and just getting them to, you know, like getting the the people who work in the shops and run the shops to get excited on your yeah. behalf and, and tell people like, oh, what's new? What's local this week? And be like, well, here's the unpredictable Olivia C and it's blah, blah, blah. And so yeah. like, it is that like very grassroots thing of actually getting it into people's hands. But also we have this whole digital component of the music and everything. And that is a lot of like, okay, you're sending it out to uh, radio stations, campus radio stations. You're sending press releases specifically about um, the comic to this publication. You're sending a press release specifically about the music to this publication. You're sending it... <laughs> Uh, with a combination of all things to this other publication. And that just comes like, I've been lucky, like I've worked in journalism and I've been a musician. So I've both received press releases and I've gotten press releases and I work in communications now. And so I write press releases a lot of the time for a living. And so I know oh. what people can respond to. And maybe it's as simple as if you're writing a press release about your thing, it's got to have that hook, right? It can't just be, local band plays show. It can't just be new <laughs> issue of my comic. Um, it's got to be like, you think about if you're distributing your comic and you have to write the little solicitation paragraph so that when someone is flipping through the diamond catalog or whatever, they're going to yeah. oh yeah, that's a standout book for me, right? Like that sounds interesting. I'll order up a few copies. I'll take a chance on that new book. And like, I'm not there yet, but I, I'm doing that, that very like hands-on distribution type thing where it's like, you're literally emailing shops and just saying like, Hey, this is, this is the, the project. This is what I'm doing. Uh, I can drop off five copies of the book tomorrow. Do you do consignment or do you just pay out cash or whatever it is? And you just kind of like, if you are confident in your work and you're the expert on your project, like you're the one who made it and no one has had to look at this thing more than you have then yeah. you know how to talk about this thing and to really sell it and to get people excited about it. And it's not just the art, it is the characters and the story. And if, if I'm someone watching a film or a show or reading a comic or reading a book, I always say, why do I care about these characters? And right. having a good, strong character that is like Olivia C is, I, I feel like she's, She's, she's bright and she's, she can be confident, but she's also like wildly unreliable at times. And you can <laughs> see why people maybe don't like her, but that's those type of characters that I like, like a Veronica Mars, who's like, you know, she's yeah. going to step on people's toes and she's not always right. But at the end of the day, she's likable. Okay. Now, how do you like this character? And so you're trying to sell all of these things while also being creative and making your book. And that is not always the easiest thing. And so like a lot of right. musicians or filmmakers, like they'll have a publicist 
most of us can't afford a publicist or even a friend right. to do publicity on your behalf. Just so it's like, I'm not just this person selling my comic to you. It's like someone on my behalf is emailing you and letting you know that this comic is good type of thing. And also when you're doing marketing, like obviously get, get quotes, like I'll probably pull some quotes from this interview that we just did. Right. And so that <laughs> yeah. is allowing people other than yourself to talk about the work that you're doing. And I have that all over, like, you know, the, the ads in the books and then the press releases and on the website, it's like, I'm going to let this person from this, you know, radio show or this newspaper or this magazine or this podcast, like they're going to do the talking about the project for me. And that also yeah. validates you. Like, because if you're just saying my book is great, sure. I bet you do think it's great and maybe it is great, <laughs> but if other people are taking the time to check it out and to, to say nice things about it, then it's like, okay. And so if you're someone who owns a shop or if you're just willing to read the book or whatever, it's like, oh yeah, this, this publication that I trust or this podcast that I listen to every day, uh, is, is, is championing this, this project. Then, uh, I guess, I guess I, what yeah. was your question? How do you, how do you market things? <laughs> no, <laughs> no you, you, you covered it, man. No, 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 that was, I, I just wanted to touch on what you just said about the, um, getting pull quotes, right. Or pulling, you know, from mm -hmm. other, other publications and reviewers and stuff. I think one of the benefits to that is that also because they bring their own perspective to, to having read it, you know, and but think, think about the stuff they've read or watched or whatever, they bring their own perspective. And so then their quotes could be something you never thought of, of a way to describe your book. And so that yeah. might help other people, you know, um, go like, oh, I relate to those couple of things. Now I'm going to pick up this book because I can kind of, you know what I mean? So you have these different pull quotes, which then I think allow you to um, be able to uh, have more people better understand your stuff because now you have other people describing it in uh, various different ways. Like I've seen, you know, you see re reviews for a single comic. If you read a bunch of them, they're all going to have a different kind of description or feel or take away from it or like, oh, it was like, you know, this and this, you know, got together or something. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's important to, gra to grab those. Yeah. And because we're also in, like, we put our heads down and we make the comic and we work on it for a month or three months or a year or whatever it is. And, you know, maybe you're showing it to your friends and maybe you're getting a little feedback, but maybe not. And so when someone reads it for the first time, that's the, and then you're just like, tell me what you think, please give me feedback. <laughs> like, you know, do, do these drawings even look like a person? Like, you know, I, I'm so, I'm so lost in my own world right now. I'm not even sure if this is good anymore. And you have those moments right. of doubt. And then, so it's just like, it's just like wildly validating when like you, if you just sell a few copies, it's like that line in chasing Amy where she's like, if I sell five copies, I feel like John Grisham. And it's true. Right. Like <laughs> someone took a chance on your thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Nick, I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. And uh, talking to us about uh, Olivia C and the music and everything. Um, can you tell people bef before we head off, can you tell people where to go to be able to find? Uh yeah, for sure. So you can uh, go to oliviac.net. Uh, you can follow Olivia C on, uh, on, on your socials at Olivia C 33. And every, uh, every one of those links will have, uh, you can, you can order the comic online uh, through the big cartel page, stuff like that. Um, you can uh, read some of those issues for free. Uh, you can go to, stream all the music on Spotify. 
you can uh, go to oliviac.bandcamp.com and, uh, you know, the single will give you a digital download of, uh, of the comic as well. So yeah, the, the new single is Lottie in the black and white room. And the new issue is number two, it should be uh, unpredictable. Olivia C. Uh, you can also follow me at Nickel astronaut, uh, on all of your, uh, things. And then you can find me at TCAF in Toronto, uh, at the end of April where, uh, I actually am going to have a very special, uh, variant issue of, uh, issue one for conventions only this year. It's a different cover. Uh, I'm really, I'm really up. I'm, I'm a total shameless plug here, Ben. I'm sorry. Like here's, here's the actual, <laughs> actual issue one. Uh, and then, but yeah, issue both, both variants are both, uh, based on, uh, homages to Batgirl covers. Oh yeah. So you can figure out which <laughs> ones those are. Um, but yeah, there's a, yeah, just just find me online uh, at Olivia C thirty three or at Nickel Astronaut, and uh, all the links are in all the descriptions and whatnot. Awesome. Yeah, we'll have um, we'll have the, the links in the show notes, and uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, we'll have it in the uh, video description as well. So uh, we'll we'll share all those out as well. Hey, once again, Nick, so awesome having you on. I really think you're doing something really cool here and original. So I hope everybody checks it out. Um, we really appreciate it. And uh, for all the viewers, don't forget to hit that uh, like, subscribe, and notification bell so we can keep bringing you awesome content like this. And uh, keep sharing with you brand new original uh, comics and, and projects like this that you're not going to find anywhere else. Thanks.